This episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by VO2GoGo.com, the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best VO Training four years in a row. Visit VO2GoGo.com slash start for a free getting started in voiceover online class that will help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's VO2GoGo.com slash start. Hello, and welcome to episode 151 of Inside Acting. My name is Trevor Algott, and on this podcast, we feature interviews, in-depth, unbiased interviews with industry professionals all over the, uh, the industry. Uh, actors, directors, casting directors, agents, managers, producers, personal finance and fitness gurus, voiceover artists, aerialists, cinematographers, I mean, you name it, we feature some sort of interview with them. Our, our goal real, here really is just to get the, the kind of the widest spectrum of experience in the industry to kind of find out uh, commonly what seems to work. That's all this podcast is. It's just a, a little kind of interview thing started by a couple of dudes who just wanted to learn more. So if you hear something on the show that you agree with or you want to offer your two cents on or maybe you disagree with it, we'd love to hear from you. Just uh, feel free to shoot us an email or give us a call at our voicemail line. You can start uh, with the billion different ways to get in touch with us because we're on Twitter and Facebook and go to our website, InsideActingPodcast.com uh, to get started with that. And on this episode, uh, we have part two of my chat with C.S. Lee. He's an actor that's best known for his recurring role as Masuka on Dexter, and great dude. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed part one from last week. If you haven't heard that yet, go and listen to it, because it kind of sets a little bit of the context for what we chat about uh, this week. And I uh, hope you guys dig it. That's coming up a little bit later in this episode, so make sure you just stick around for that. And hey everybody, welcome to episode 151, this is Trev, I am flying solo this week, no no live AJ, but uh, AJ did send in a sort of somber uh, voice recording, so we could have his voice on the show this week, and uh, I'll be playing for that for you in just a minute. But let's see here, we have a lot of stuff that we've been meaning to get to, including a few emails and voicemails that we've we've gotten over the past few uh, weeks that um, we've just kind of been working our way through, and it's it's so great. We love, love, love to have all these kind of different topics to, to chat about and all the, thing, the different things that come up for people in different kind of pieces of this, of this industry, because uh, no one experience seems to be the same so it's really cool to hear what's going on in people's worlds and on their journeys so keep them coming guys we we um are very honored uh to be talking about that stuff uh so that said i'm gonna shelve what we had planned for this episode since aj and i couldn't get together to do this together uh, so it's coming up next time we get together, hopefully next episode. Uh, so on that note, I'll just kind of give you guys a quick debrief about what's going on in my world, and then we can uh, shoot over to what's going on in AJ's world. In my world, um, let's see here. Um, voiceover seems to be a recurring theme that, that keeps kind of popping up. I, I've got a, I've gotten a lot of work since I started working with uh, David H. Lawrence the 17th 
back, uh, oh gosh, it must have been like a year ago now, I started teaching his, um, his voiceover intensives every month in Hollywood. And I've learned a ton. That guy knows everything about everything uh, when it comes to the voiceover world and kind of everything else too. Uh, I've learned a lot and uh, I've come a long way. I've done a few audiobooks. Uh, I'm I'm getting regular commercial work, uh, just, you know, kind of small one-off stuff, but it seems to be coming pretty consistently. And uh, more and more people seem to be turning to me for information about uh, how to get started. And it's really cool because it's the kind of work you can do in your underwear. I may or may not be in my underwear right now. It may or may not be that kind of day. I got a voiceover class coming up this month. I'm sorry, this week, actually, uh, at Actors Comedy Studio. We do them every month. If you want to learn more about that stuff, it's VO, the number two, gogo.com, VO2gogo.com. And it's a really smart investment, I think, if you have any interest whatsoever in, in voiceover. And uh, it's been great for me. And other than that, I have been, uh, you know, here's the thing. One thing that's kind of been big in my world lately is the idea of focus and how important it is to have focus. And my friend Evan said to me months and months ago, kind of in passing, he said, scattered focus equals scattered results. And I knew immediately that that was something I needed to kind of internalize because I'm the kind of person that, and I think this is common among a lot of actors and, and artists, is that, you know, you, you, you kind of think you can do everything and you're you're pretty good at everything. It's not like you're, you're kind of just like, you know, a hack drawing stick figures. You're actually not a bad drawer and you're not a bad singer and you're probably not a bad dancer and you're probably not a bad sculptor. And you probably have a, you know, a good sensibility for a lot of different creative things, uh, in many different areas of life. And the, the kind of trap there is that you feel like you can do it all. And so you try to do it all and you figure there's enough hours in the day. If you, if you could just discipline yourself to kind of just be really rigorous with your schedule, you could get it all done. And I know that's been really true for me. Uh, a few episodes ago, I talked about this music thing I'm doing and, and how, you know, gratifying it was to be allowing myself to explore that and express that and not, not make myself wrong for not focusing on the acting stuff. But, you know, after a lot of kind of meditating on it and thinking about it and working on it and then not working on it and then feeling guilty for not working on it and blah, 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 I, I, I kind of came to a place where I was like, I think the way my brain works is that one thing is going to be is going to be the way to go. Like, I, I have all these kind of mm, urges, I guess, and these these callings that I feel. Uh, but what's the one thing that is going to kind of get me to the next level? What what one activity or one goal is going to really kind of break me through the next level, give me the most leverage. And uh, it's not the music thing. And it's not the 18 other million things that I want to be doing with my with my time and my life. I'm just not Superman. So anyway, I, I'm saying all this because I think it's probably common. And I, I wonder if people out there are dealing with the same thing. And, and to let you guys know that uh, what it after much kind of thought, what it came to for me was, uh, was writing a feature and making a feature film. I've been really inspired, really, really inspired. I feel a little bit silly actually saying this because it's like, weren't you just doing the music thing, Trev? And weren't you talking about a web series? Like what? Now you're on to what? But, um, I've been really inspired by Blake Robbins. I follow him on Facebook. He's been on the show, uh, probably more than any other guest. Uh, and he made his feature film, The Sublime and the Beautiful. It was his first feature, and it's a great film. It's been playing all over the country, possibly all over the world, uh, if um, there's any festivals in Europe or anything that I've missed. But it's doing really well for him. A lot of doors are opening for him as an actor. 
and uh, he seems very fulfilled. I haven't touched base with him personally uh, recently, but it seems like it's really kicking ass for him. So I, I'm just super inspired by that. And, you know, if Blake can do it, I can do it. Anybody can do it. And it's never been easier to make a feature film. And the thing is, shorts are great. They make great calling cards. But my experience has been that not a lot of people really watch them or take them all that seriously. I know there's exceptions to everything, but but they're not like, you know, they're not like... I don't know. They don't seem to do the same kind of thing that a feature film does when it comes to kind of the wow factor. Uh, and the same thing with web series. I love web series. There's a lot of good web series out there, but so many actors have web series and so many web series. And I'm going to go ahead and say this and I'll probably make some enemies saying this, but so many web series are kind of subpar that in my mind, when I hear the word web series, I think subpar writing, subpar production value, um, subpar sound quality. I think maybe four episodes and then it drops off and nothing happens again. And, and it's a lot of work. So uh, I don't know. I mean, where I'm at right now is, is that I feel like a feature is going to be the one thing that's going to kind of take me to that next level. And that's where I'm going. That's where I'm going with that. I've talked enough here, but uh, I just want to let you guys know that's kind of what's going on in my my head. And maybe you can relate. And uh, I, I know we'd love to hear from you if you can. All right. So enough of me blabbering. I'm going to pass the mic over to AJ for his update. Yeah. Here we go. What's up, AJ? Hello there, IAP listeners. This is AJ coming to you in a micro segment. I don't know what to call these. Um... Wish I had more exciting news to report, but I think um, the most important thing is to tell you that, uh, unfortunately, we got our we received our, our closing notice at Heather's the musical. For those of you who follow me on social media, you've already seen some posts about this, but the um, the show which was originally slated to run until September. Seventh, and then um, they they open up ticket sales through January at some point um, to encourage sales for the holidays and that kind of thing it is actually going to be closing on August fourth. So it's a month earlier than the original slated run, and uh, isn't really going to allow for the kind of m- momentum necessary to. say, go to Broadway. But then again, it only takes one billionaire, as Larry O'Keefe put it to us when he um, shared with us the unfortunate news. It was an interesting experience because it was my first ever experience receiving a closing notice, basically. Um, I've only been a part of closed-ended runs before. This is my first experience with an open-ended run, so it was also my first experience receiving a closing notice. And while there were certain people around me who have experienced it time and time again, it was interesting to see what kind of emotions came up. It was obviously disappointing and sad, and, you know, I had a, a, a bit of a cry with uh, with my girlfriend, but Everything happens for a reason, and I believe that with this door closing, another one will open. Um, In fact, just a couple days after receiving our closing notice, I had my first ever Broadway meeting, audition, 
for uh, a production of The King and I that's going to be happening at Lincoln Center, starring Kelly O'Hara and Ken Watanabe. And I was really excited about that, and um, there's still a possibility I might hear something, being that it's only Monday and the audition was on Friday. In terms of moving forward, I heard this great quote from someone in our cast after we received the, the news, and it's actually, a, a, I looked it up, and it's a, a James Dean quote. Uh, the actual quote is, I can't change the direction of the wind, but I can adjust my sails to always reach my destination. So, in other words, don't try to change the wind, change your sail. So, <clears throat> uh, and the, the quote has been attributed to various people in various forms, but basically... It just means, you know, I can't change what the universe sends my way, but I can adjust my tools and I can make new new and different choices to get to where I want to go. So then the question becomes, what's next? What's next for me? Do I stay here in New York? Do I go back to Los Angeles? Do I attempt to find representation here in New York? and really go for it. I mean, there's there's something to be said for the fact that this year, 2014, is the first year ever where New York surpassed Los Angeles in pilot production. So there's actually a lot of television work to be had here. And, of course, a lot of films get made in New York as well. But it would be like starting over, because any time you go to a new market, it takes months and years and sometimes 10 years to build relationships, meet the people that are going to make a difference in your career, etc., etc. So it's a decision that I'm still making, and therefore I don't really have anything to report on that front. I'd be curious to hear from our listeners <clears throat> what you, what criteria you use to sometimes make challenging decisions. What questions do you ask yourself? What lists do you make, etc., etc.? So feel free to reach out on our Twitter or through our email to um, let me know. Let us know. I'm, I'm really interested in, in hearing how people go about making their, their decisions. Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, first off, I'm... Uh, kind of bummed to hear about that, uh, dude, I'm speaking directly to you as if you were here. Um, that's, that's a bummer, but, uh, I'm a firm believer in that when one door closes another opens, uh, as you mentioned, and who knows, who knows what's going to come down the line in the next week, month, two, three, four, six months that you wouldn't have been exposed to, or you wouldn't have been available to if you had still been doing the musical. And plus, you know, you had a cool adventure, man, you're in New York. So now the, the really big question is, whether to kind of stay in New York or, or come back to LA. Um, and that's a, that's a toughie. I'd love to hear what our listeners, uh, like he just said, what our listeners have to say about how you tackle these tough choices in life. Uh, AJ also has a pick of the week, which is why the message kind of ended abruptly there. I'm going to, I, I kind of cut that part and then I'm going to move it over to the end after the interview, um, which we might as well just roll into now. So uh, yeah, here is uh, part two of my chat with C.S. Lee, who plays Masuka on Dexter. This is good stuff, guys. Enjoy it, and uh, I'll catch you on the other side. 
Yeah, one thing we talk about a lot on on the show as well is the idea that I, I'm coming to believe, having been in this industry now for over 10 years, that half the reason you're hired is <clears throat> that you're right for the part. But the other half the reason is that you seem like you're going to be easy to work with. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I think that there have probably been many an actor who were right for the part, but just you could just tell after 14 hours on set, this person was not going to be the best person to be you know, yeah. with in a, in a high-stress situation. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, just kind of piggybacking off that comment about about um, you know how you deal with it, making yeah. the best of it. I think that's a big part of it. And it sounds like you you probably were subjected to a little bit of that. In, yeah, in, absolutely. In school, absolutely. And you know, we've all been there, and we've all been in shows where you know um, some big name or whatever is is is, is present, but then it, that person is just really incredibly difficult to work with, and. Yeah. Um, and it's a shame because it's like uh, you've seen their work before and you admire their work, but then you see this sort of ugly side and you're like, oh, God, really? Is that how it is? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and when, you know, especially when you're doing a show, a play, you, you know, you're rehearsing eight hours a day, whatever. I mean, you, you know, for three weeks, you want to be in a good environment. Yeah. A yeah. bad environment is not, is not fun. Yeah. To do, yeah. Uh, to do a play. Yeah. Or, or you know, or any a film or a TV either. Yeah, and, um, you know. Yeah. I mean, I was lucky. I was really lucky with my cast and Dexter. Um, we really didn't have a rotten apple in the cast, and everybody was very professional. And uh, it was really all about the work all the time. I think Michael had a lot to do with that. I think that's the way he approaches his work. You know, that really uh, I think inspired everyone else to do their best work as well. Hmm. Awesome. You know, I I, I love that huge fan of the show Dexter, um, and I noticed after a few episodes of watching it, you know, you see the credits over and over again, and I noticed that Michael C. Hall is executive producer, and I kind of mm-hmm. started to realize, oh, is this one of those situations where the actor makes the work for themselves? Is uh, that is that how that worked eventually on that show? Well, no, I mean, I, I think what I think what happens is, event, you know, anytime you are a, the lead of a show and it goes on for more than three years, I think the opportunity comes up for you to be uh, to have a producer credit. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's not like they're calling the shots as producers. It's, it's more of like they're. It's more of a finance thing, finance and sort of. Uh, I mean, it's not like Michael was you know doing the producing end when you know. Sure, sure, yeah. I figured, yeah, he's it, not going to be handling all that stuff. Yeah, but. yeah. It was, so it was, it was more of like. Um, it was more, I think, uh, whatever way, you know, it got, it's connected to the finances, mm-hmm. you know, and his yeah. contract and whatnot. And I think, um, I think a lot of the, a lot of the TV shows that do that, they, uh, you know, eventually the lead will get a producer credit because, you know, it'll give them more back end points sure, or whatever. Sure. And I, I imagine that he probably eventually had a hand in a lot of the creative decisions, uh, I watched some of the behind-the-scenes interviews around the series finale, and I, I remember hearing the writers say, like, oh, yeah, you know, we ran it by Michael, and he said yeah. this, and he gave the okay. And I was yeah. thinking, wow, is he really – is that kind of how, yeah. it works as, how it worked as well? Uh, yeah, it did. I mean, I think a lot of the big decisions, uh, I mean, regarding the show and regarding his character, definitely I think it, it, it was always sort of run by him and or at least discussed with him. You know, I mean, I, I imagine all the great um, shows, um, you know, the showrunners will, um, you know, the person that's in charge of the, the writing, the showrunner, 
will will be very uh, connected and uh, they'll be very close with the leads of the show because you know they want you know they don't want any surprises either. Yeah, you know yeah. so. Which I think is is smart because that's the way you know. Anytime, you know, you have a great showrunner, um, they want the very best out of their leads, mm-hmm. and um, and you have to have a good relationship with your leads. And I've I've heard a lot of stories about uh, you know actors coming on to a show and you know only being on for only being slated for one or two episodes, but the the what that actor brings to the role or brings to that plot being so kind of. Um, I don't know, just great that they actually end up writing more for it or catering the writing or catering the story to, to that actor, to that actual role. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you'd be amazed at how much the writers actually listen. Uh, I, I think, um, I think uh, you know, you'd be surprised. The, the writers actually, it's not like they have a grand plan in the back of their mind that they're always trying to strive for. You know, it's like sometimes they don't, have, they don't know either. And mm. they're, they're supposed to come up with the script. You know, which is why it's always good to, uh, you know, um, go to like a table read per se uh, and, and show up and show your face. And, and so try to be involved as much as possible um, in, in, in the creation of a show because it gives the writers ideas, you know. And um, I mean, like me, I mean, that first, my first season on Dexter, I was just a recurring Yeah, I was going to say, what, what happened you know? there? I mean, obviously they, they liked you, you stuck around. Yeah. But was it one of those situations? I think it was. I mean, I, you know, I, I really thought um, when I first, uh, my first season, you know, I, I had like, they didn't really know what to do with me. So, um, you know, I made the most of it. And, and um, uh, I, I took what the writers wrote and, and you know, I, I, I did a little bit of improvising and, um, just sort of trying to flush out this character of Masuka. You know, nobody knew really what they wanted from him, you know? Mm. And so it was my opportunity to show them, okay, well, I think this guy is like this. You know, I think he's, this is the way he is. And, um, and you know, uh, people, people liked it. And I think, obviously, that they liked it because, you know, by the, by the end of the first season, they, they gave me a full-time, you know, series regular gig um, yeah. starting the second season. So that you know, that's always great to have the opportunity. Yeah, totally, totally. So I, I want to ask uh, about. Hmm, I've been trying to figure out how to ask this, but I, I know that a lot of our listeners are wondering, and I'm I'm curious as well. Um, what has your experience been like being an Asian American actor? Like, what have you come up against scenarios where it was like you felt discriminated against, or were there scenarios where it's like, oh wow, that worked in my favor because of this? Yeah, um, both. yeah, both. I'm yeah. sure it's been mostly on both the sides. mostly the first. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Mostly the first. Mostly it's the fight against. Um, it, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I remember specifically, in fact, in maybe the second or third season, there was an argument about my character and his sort of sexual prowess, and and um, you know, I had a problem with one of the scenes, and it seemed like the dialogue alluded to the idea that that Musuka was um, that he wasn't getting late at all that he didn't you know which which first of all is the uninteresting choice mm-hmm. and second of all is untrue because during the first season he you know I, there was a you know he ho- supposedly hooked up with this sort of um, uh, rocker chick mm-hmm. and um, but just just as an artist you know you know we're always you know you, you've learned even in the basic acting class you know you always say yes to something mm-hmm. you never say no 
And it's always more interesting when you say yes. It's always more interesting when you explore the yes part. And to me, what was more interesting was that, yeah, he, you know, he, he may not have gotten the quality girls, but yes, he certainly got laid and he certainly got girls. Maybe they were not the best girls. Maybe they're, you know, the bottom of the barrel girls, but mm-hmm. he, that's more interesting than making him a non sexual, harmless little scientist. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And as an Asian American, obviously, you know, there's, you know, some aspects of that that I that I'm trying to open people up to and and um, and fight against. Obviously, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Asian American males to this day, you know, we've we've always been sort of made, uh, you know, into sort of a unisex, you know, character. You know, I mean, there's there has been, you know, there really hasn't been a whole lot of sort of leading man Asian male sort of in the limelight. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, it's either you know kung fu or you know speak with an accent or you know right, some right. harmless you know scientist or doctor. Yeah, and you, you know. either tend to be like subnormal intelligent or super intelligent. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which no is always middle ground. Yeah, that, that archetype is like it just kind of gets old after a while. Yeah, and I, yeah. I, you know I don't know I don't maybe it's because my theater background. Um, and you know, as a, as a theater actor, you're always looking to make the character the most interesting. Yeah. You're, you're always looking to make the character take the biggest risks, you know, uh, in terms of choices. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was an easy choice. I was like, no, listen, Masuka, he gets laid. That's the, that's the more interesting choice. And um, you know, I was fighting with the writer, and eventually. Uh, you know, I won. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. You know, I always I, I like that a lot. I, I that thought crossed my mind several times after watching the show. I just thought, you know, it is it, it's so much more interesting to know that Masuka does get ass, yeah, rather than just being the guy who always goes home alone. Yeah, like yeah. knowing that. On some level, his tactics are working, yeah. and that's why he keeps doing them. Absolutely, and that made it funny to see yeah. him over and over again. Yeah. with his, you know, the laugh and all the stuff. And yeah, that's great though to hear yeah. that that was actually an acting a, a choice that you brought to the table. Oh yeah, and that the writers kind of followed your lead on. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't know if they followed my lead, but I, I certainly that's I certainly championed that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because it was just more interesting, and also as um, as an actor, you know, going about a character. Um, I don't know. I lost my thought. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a great thought, but it'll come to me. It happens to me all the it'll time. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about then. Um, I know when I met you real briefly uh, a few weeks ago at, at the um, opening night party for for the show that was just here. Different yeah. words. Yeah. Um, and I do want to actually when we're done recording, I want to talk to you about just who you know and yeah. Well, I, and I and I know Kimber because we were acting interns in Seattle. No way. Yeah, yeah. No way. Yeah. So How cool, man. back way back when we were both at she was both she was an actor. Yeah. And um and we were acting interns for a year at uh, this small theater that's closed down now into Mon Theater. Wow. So I that's how I actually knew her. Um as well as you know, I knew some people in the cast um, right. as well. That is so cool, man. I love how small the world is sometimes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we met here and I said, I said, so what are you working on now? And you said, I'm raising my 17-year-old daughter, man. <laughs> my 17-month-old daughter. <laughs> or 17-month. Yeah, 17-month-old. Okay, yeah. okay then I yeah. misheard. Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah, that is definitely a job in itself. Yeah. But uh, what's, what's, on the, what's on par for right now? I know we had to, you know, you said you had some projects these past couple weeks. Um, so what are you working on these days? Um, well, I, I was I, di- I did a small indie feature last week, uh, working one day as a school principal, and um, um, you know I just worked on that. And I was I was slated to do another 
uh, indie pilot um, pretty soon, but I think that's kind of kind of got stalled. So mm-hmm. right now, I'm I'm just waiting for the <laughs> agents and managers to call, and, you know, with the job. So right. um, this past pilot season was my first pilot season being free, uh, hmm. not to, to to do a pilot because yeah. because I was on a show, I wasn't available. So which was very interesting, and and um, I didn't get any pilots this year. So. Um, you know, I you know, I, which is fine with me um, right now. Like I like I told you, I, I have a seventeen month old, eighteen month old gr- little girl now, and another mm-hmm. one on the way. So, oh wow, congratulations! Um, thank you. Yeah. So, so taking a little time off from acting right now is okay. I can imagine. I mean, I I don't think that you probably had zero time to actually do any other gigs while you were working on Dexter. Um, well, I mean, you know, we were about six months on, six months off. So, uh, you know, uh, you know it, so, whatever films I could get um, during my off time, I, I could do. And, uh, you know, little little guest stars here and there I could do as well. Cool. Um, but nothing nothing permanent. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, when I remember when that show was airing, I saw a few, you know, the actors show up here and there and little yeah. things. Like the actor who plays uh, Angel, I don't, I'm blanking on his name. But, um, David Zayas, yeah, yeah, really great, fantastic actor, yeah. and he Plays showed up Batista. in the Expendables, and yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. cool, that's that's yeah. awesome, and, yeah. And apparently, um, Sylvester Stallone was a big Dexter fan, oh, cool, so, which is kind of helped uh, David get that role because uh, yeah, he he uh, he was a fan of the show, and um, I think he wanted to work with David. That is really cool, yeah, cool. And then of course, Michael C. Hall showed up in uh, The Gamer with uh, yeah. Gerard Butler, and yeah, so. Yeah, right on. So there is there is wiggle room in there. Six months on, six months off. You said about okay. uh, about about okay. yeah yeah. Which cool. you know, which was great for me because I, I was uh, I, I've got the big uh, bug in golf. So really, so you know, when I'm off, I just I just go golf. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah. Right on. I do actually. I do want to ask you about what else you do outside of uh, outside of the acting world. But before we get there, yeah. um, how where where's the filmmaking? bug is that still present it's still there yeah Something. it's definitely still there and um you know i mean eventually i would love to do uh, write and direct and act in my own first feature you know nowadays you can you can do it you know yeah. you get yourself a digital camera and you know with a little bit of money you can find a good crew and and um and get something shot um so the hardest thing right now for me is coming up with a good script i, I know i just need to you know press the just press the go button and go with it but um you know i, I really don't want to go about something without a good script because i know how important that is cool so, cool but that is something that's definitely on the list is yeah to, is yeah to get for sure flex the writing and directing and yeah. producing muscles yeah that's awesome and now you've got uh definitely the the free time and the resources yeah. in the cloud to yeah so make the, something cool happen. yeah so there's no excuse that's yeah. great yeah yeah that's great so uh any any kind of crazy stories from set that uh there are some lessons to be learned in anything that was just like never ever do this because <laughs> <laughs> um you know there's there's I, I mean for the most part i think our set was pretty tame mm. um and and you know like i said i think michael had a big part, hand in that you know, we had we had a great crew, uh, the hardest working crew, and they were just all very chill, and and it was really nice to you know go to work every day and and, and be around that type of energy. But I remember one time when when Jimmy Smith was on, who is a fantastic guy and mm-hmm. great actor, great person. Um, I don't necessarily think his. Uh, his season arc did him justice. Hmm. Uh, I think it was a third season when Jimmy yeah, Smith two or was three, on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyways, there was a there was a moment where he was stabbing a guy, and uh, this, the the I guess the the what do you call it? The body double was wearing a, a 
chest plate, you know. And he, you know, had a real knife in one hand, and you know they they shoot with the real knife in one hand, and they and then he raises his hand and they cut and they cut to they give him the dummy knife, and then you know the dummy blade sort of goes into the handle of the thing, right. and I think Jimmy got a little bit too into his character and forgot to change do a change. Oh, no. And he stabbed him with the uh, with the real knife, and it you know it kind of like freaked everyone out for a little bit. Oh jeez, yeah, but, but it mean, hit the chest plate. It hit the chest plate. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I heard it was a kind of a scary moment uh, on stage. Wow. Okay. Um, you know, but uh, you know, for the most part, I think I think our our, our show was pretty tame. I, like I said, there really wasn't any. You know, we didn't have any divas, divas Big or mental. okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, that's really good to hear. Yeah, yeah, sweet. So, so then let's talk about what you do when you're not uh, in front of a camera. I mean, you said golf is a big kind of aphrodisiac for you. Maybe. It is. Yeah, it is. It is. And uh, you know, when I moved to L.A., a friend of mine took me out, and I got really hooked. And, and I think I, I think I like golf because it's such a, it's sort of my meditation. Mm-hmm. And um, and when I golf, I say, you know, it's not like I go get on a golf cart and I'm drinking beers and golfing. It's like <laughs> I'm carrying my golf bag. Or pushing my golf bag on a cart, and um, you know, and I, I'm not drinking. Usually, I'm not drinking, unless my friends, you know, are out and they're you know mouthing off. But um, but I'm you know I'm pretty serious about my games because I'm trying to get better, you know. And um, yeah, for me, it's like an, it's like a meditation because outdoors, I'm walking, you know, fresh air, and and then and then you know this game we call golf, which is incredibly frustrating and. Mm-hmm rewarding at the same time cool cool i think it's the korean blood in me that sort of um got me hooked you know <laughs> okay. a lot of korean people that love golf right on right on what's a role that you uh, are dying to play what or it can be a type of role or maybe it's an actual stage role is there anything that's still on the list that's like that is that's still on my bucket list um that's a good question um you know the majority of my roles have been sort of the whatever scientist, doctor, um, mm-hmm. you know, harmless. Uh, you know, I, I, I'd like to play a bad, bad dude. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know some just some. Again, I don't know whether it's my theater background or what, but I, I'm always uh, into playing characters that are um, surprising to the audience, where the audience thinks, "Oh, he can't." Be all that, and then you see him do something. He's like, "Oh wow, that guy was badass," <laughs> you know. So yeah. um, I'm always looking to do roles that are surprising and also sort of, you know, unexpected. So um, you know, hopefully one of those roles will come by, or I'll just have to write it myself. There you go. You know? <laughs> Sweet, right on. Cool. We like to wrap up with uh, just two questions with every guest and they're a little bit out there but that's what we like about it they always get really interesting answers so the first one is do you feel that this career path chose you or do you feel you chose it ah that's a good question i think uh you know the biggest thing for me if i was to tell an actor an upcoming actor the biggest advice would be to 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 always be ready no, mm-hmm. you, you have to be ready for when that time calls. And if I wasn't ready when that time called for that Dexter audition, I probably wouldn't be sitting here right now. Mm-hmm. And I think as an actor, for me, you know, that was, uh, I don't know if I heard that from someone or 
I probably did, but it makes sense to me because you know, as an actor, you, you study so much and so long, you know, during school and after school. And but the the biggest thing is that you always have to be ready for that time when you're needed, when you're needed to be the great actor that you are. You know, mm, yeah. and not everything I've done. <laughs> It's been great. I've done a lot of shit shows in New York, you know, <laughs> definitely. And, I, and I'm okay with that because I learned so much from that. So in a way, I would say, you know, the acting path chose me, hmm. I would say. I think I, I feel stronger leaning towards that way. Hmm. Yeah. Even though I chose, I feel like I chose, you know, what I wanted to do, I feel like the acting path actually cho- has been pulling me this whole time. It called you, yeah. 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 And that discipline to always be ready, that's probably something that I... Th- I, I mean, I've, I've got a not as, an extensive theater background as you, but I've done a lot of theater in Philly yeah. and New York and out here. And I think there's a... A, <clears throat> a lot of people ask me, you know, like, what, what classes have you taken? Yeah. Or what classes would you recommend? Yeah. And, you know, I think on-camera cold reading stuff is yeah. really valuable. I yeah. think improv classes are really valuable. Scene study classes, I think there's a time and a place. Yeah. But I think more than anything, if you're in a production, yeah. a theater, live theater stage yeah. production yeah. that's running seven, eight shows a week, yeah. more sometimes, that is the absolute best training you can get because there's a discipline that you absorb. Absolutely. That, that cannot be replicated in any other way. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> you're totally right. And especially yeah. if there's a person in that cast that, that sort of... He's if they're able to inspire you, like you know, if there's an exceptional cast person, you mm. know, someone that you know you can sort of watch their watch them work, yeah, and be like, okay, I okay, now I know what to do in that type of situation because you're seeing this, you know, great actor, you know, taking it head on, you know, and wow. you, you don't get that in class, <laughs> you yeah, don't get yeah, that yeah. in live theater, being whether it's being on stage doing the acting thing, whether you're off stage watching, you know, waiting yeah. for your turn to go on, you know. Wow, that's so true. I never thought of that. But there really isn't a real opportunity to have kind of an unofficial mentor no, in no, these situations. No, no, That's why you got, you got to make yeah. you know, every situation, every opportunity count, you know? Yeah. Because um, that's a great opportunity to learn so much, um, you know, for, for an up-and-coming actor. Uh, even, even for me now, you know, like anytime I am, I'm working with someone who I really admire, I mean, I mean it, it doesn't have to be a famous person or a famous name. It could be just anyone, and they're doing a fucking great work. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, you know, they're like a rock. They're like a rock god, you know, <laughs> rock star for me. <laughs> yeah. you know, like, you know, um, yeah, yeah, and, and that's that's a, it's a great opportunity. So, um, you know, that's that's a, that's one way of you know learning. And you actually answered the second question, which was, what would that? What would be the one nugget of advice that you could pass on to somebody? coming down the path, uh, you know, in your footsteps. Oh, yeah, yeah. Learn as much as you can from your environment, you know. Mm. And especially if you're, you know, if you're lucky enough to do a show or lucky enough to be cast in something, whether it's a play or a TV or a film, you know, look, look at the environment around you and, and see if you can find someone to learn off of because chances are there's going to be someone with mo- more experience than you who knows what they're doing and you can learn a lot from them. Mm. I yeah. love that. I love that. There's no better note to end on than that. Uh, if people want to find you uh, online or learn more about you, where can they go? Do you have a Twitter or a Facebook or any of that um, fun stuff? Yeah, you know, I don't. I mean, I do, but I, I, do, I really don't do a whole lot of that for, okay. you know, I have a personal personal Facebook page, but I, I really try to keep that um, 
um, to my friends and, sure. and whatnot. Um, and I haven't done the whole Twitter thing, so maybe yeah. I should. Maybe I should. I mean, I, I do have a Twitter account, but it's just like so neglected. I think it's got cobwebs on it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, hopefully in the near future um, I, I, I can get something going. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't know. If anyone wants to contact me, you can email me at emailcsli at yahoo.com. That's my email, emailcsli at yahoo.com. It's, it's the word email. Uh-huh. And that's my email I give out for you know whatever industry folks and people who want to you know, chat about whatever. So. That's, that's really cool of you to, to share that. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I know that um, this was a little bit of a hike for you coming from... Uh, where are you coming from? Um, Cape Town. Cape Town, right. Yeah. Especially midday. So I yeah. uh, appreciate you taking the time to sit down and um, can't wait to get this one out to the world. Hey, this, this was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Cool. Glad, glad to have done it. All right, guys, welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that uh, little two-parter interview series with C.S. Lee. Really good dude. Very generous of him to offer his email, and I can say from personal experience, he's pretty responsive, and um, I'm sure would invite any sort of questions or or anything you've got to uh, pass along to him. So, um, yeah, many thanks, C.S., for uh, for coming on the show. Uh, Let's see here. Pick of the week. I'm going to start with mine, and that is... Uh, a website called uncommongoods.com. Uh, this past Christmas, I was looking for... Uh, we do a Pollyanna thing in my family. Basically, we pull names out of a hat. So we're not buying gifts for 25 people. We just buy gifts for that one person for the for the, for the year or for that, you know, that Christmas. And I pulled the, my uncle's name out of the hat. And he's, you know, in his 60s and uh, he's a former Marine. He loves basketball, loves drinking beer. I was like, I had no idea what to get this guy. It's like I didn't want to get him a book. I didn't want to get him concerts or tickets to a, con- a symphony or something like I got him the year before, or a couple of years before. So I was trying to figure out to get him, and I, I came across this website, Uncommon Goods, and I found some really cool gift ideas there for not a ton of money. I think the most expensive thing I've seen on there is about a hundred bucks. So uh, I got him a, I think, medieval beer stein, and it's like crafted from this like. Uh, old style clay in this old style kind of uh, process and it's supposed to like retain the the temperature of the beer really well I don't know it seemed really cool and it comes with a little kind of explanatory thing about the the crafting process of it and whatnot and anyway I sent it off to him uh, for the Pollyanna and he called me and was like this is so cool man I really dig this and the website is full of that kind of stuff just really uncommon handcrafted cool shit so I thought for anybody out there who's looking for, for interesting gifts for people, uh, this is a great place to start. Uncommongoods.com is the website, and I hope you find as, cool, as much cool stuff as, as I did. Okay, uh, so back to AJ now for his pick of the week, which is something I'm really excited to check out. Lastly, I just wanted to leave a, a pick of the week because I've been um, reading a lot of really cool books and, and, and experiencing a lot of really cool uh, pieces of media, so I didn't want to go one week without uh, picking one for my pick of the week. Um, <clears throat> and this week is a book by author Jonas Jonason. Yes, that's his real name. Um, and it's called The 100-Year-Old Man Who Snuck Out a Window and Disappeared. And it is... Uh, Jonas is a Swedish author... So it takes place in Sweden and also all over the world. It's a very cheeky book. It reminds me of um, 
Hitchhike, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy for anyone who, out there who has read that. It's very funny. It's very touching. Um, I'm about halfway through right now, and I would definitely recommend it. I laugh out loud on almost every page, and it is a page-turner that, that has definitely kept me interested and enthralled. Um, so the 100-year-old man who snuck out a window and disappeared is my pick of the week. Totally adding that to my reading list. Really excited to check that out. I looked that book up on Amazon, too, and uh, that seems to be the consensus all over the place, is that it's an awesome book, very much worth reading. So I am going to go to the library and see if I can check it out. The library is awesome, by the way. Have you guys been to the library recently? I know I had a quick Twitter exchange with uh, with with uh, listener Mike Bowers on, on, on Twitter, but man... Like all these books for free. How cool is that? And you know, somebody told me a great way to think about it. They say, I have all these books and I pay the government a little bit uh, of money every, uh, every so often to store them in a air conditioned climate controlled environment and let other people borrow them. And I thought that was a great way to think about it, uh, especially since I realized that I spend a lot of money on books that I read once and they sit on my shelf and I, I kind of n- like looking at them. I like collecting them, but really, from a financial standpoint and a kind of clutter standpoint, it's not the, not the smartest thing. So I've been rediscovering a library and, and unafraid to use my library card like a super geek. But I hope that's changing. I don't think libraries are geeky at all, but other people seem to. Anyway, we have uh, a few submissions for listener picks of the week, but I'm going to table them uh, until we are back live with AJ again. So uh, let's go ahead and wrap this bad boy up. Thanks for listening, guys. Episode 151. You know how to get in touch with the podcast, I hope. Shoot us an email at insideactingpodcast at gmail.com. We don't always respond immediately to every email because we get uh, quite a bit, but we read every email and we make an effort to respond to everyone uh, as soon as we can. Uh, you can also call us and leave a voicemail, 213-2-ACTORS. That's 213-222-8677. We definitely receive every voicemail, and even though we can't respond to them, we actually don't call people back. Um, rest assured that if you left a, uh, left us a voicemail, we've, we've gotten it, and we'll probably play it or at least acknowledge it somehow on an upcoming episode. Uh, let's see what else. We're on Twitter. We are uh, Inside Acting on Twitter. We're uh, Inside Acting on Facebook. We also have a Facebook group. Uh, we have an iOS app. We're on Actor Rated. We love, love, love reviews on iTunes. So if if you're thinking that uh, this podcast is doing a lot for you, head over to iTunes and leave us a review. That, that goes a long way for us. And then lastly, you can donate to the podcast. This podcast does cost money to produce every week. There are kind of bills we have to pay that are associated with it. Uh, for, for example, our domain name is up for renewal right now, and that's 35 bucks that um, I paid out of my pocket a few times. I don't have a hu- huge problem with that, but, you know, it's nice to have uh, the support of the community. And we have a really great, robust community of patrons that are very active with the podcast who are supporting us every, every month with a recurring donation. And you can, too. Head over to our website, InsideActingPodcast.com. There's a donate button on the right-hand side. You can click on it and donate a one-time lump sum. Uh, from one penny all the way up to whatever the, the limits are with, with PayPal. Uh, or you can sign up to rec- become a patron and leave us a re- or give us a recurring donation, uh, which all goes directly to podcast production and 
for the for that, we'll um, stick a, a photo and a, a little blurb and some of your uh, links, to, like your Twitter and your website and your IMDb and stuff like that. We'll put that on our webpage and feature you in an upcoming episode as a patron of the week. Speaking of patron of the week, um, I'm also going to shelve that until we have AJ back. So this is a kind of reduced uh, episode here. And I have talked enough. (laughs) So I'm going to wrap this up. Thanks for listening, guys. Episode 151. We'll see you next week with 152 and uh, an interview series that I'm really excited to bring you guys. So uh, have an awesome week and uh, talk to you soon. Thank you all for your support, especially those of you who have come out to see Heathers or who have reached out with encouraging words uh, through this journey. I appreciate it more than you could ever know. Um... I love you all because you all occupy this space we call the universe, and I'm looking forward to what's next. Take care, everyone. Bye. This episode of Inside Acting has been brought to you in part by Rehearsal 2, the app for actors. Want to learn your lines fast? Be off book for auditions? Explore your character and make stronger choices? There's an app for that. Rehearsal 2. Download it now at rehearsaltheapp.com slash download. That's rehearsaltheapp.com slash download.